This is the Adopted Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode seven of the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope that this is your seventh episode to listen to as well. I'm so excited about all the support and I'm just so, so appreciative. So keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. Um, today's guest is Michelle Monti. So she is a mom of three adoptive kids and she is a senior manager in the International Department for Walmart. She also helped to launch Project Zero in Northwest Arkansas. She's a part of the call and is a fellow board member of Grace Haven Ministries. So obviously we run in a lot of the same circles, so it makes sense that we would be close friends as well. And that's actually what we're going to talk about today. Michelle has a passion for connecting with other adoptive families and bringing them into her rapidly growing circle in order to prevent the lonely and isolated feelings that many of us adoptive families experience. We're going to chat about our hard kids and how they make us feel like real friendships aren't aren't for us, they aren't attainable for us, and how to push past these feelings and experience true solidarity with each other. It's such an important conversation, and I'm so glad that I got to have it with someone that I consider a close friend of mine. Michelle and Scott, her husband, are so good at this, and um, I'm so excited for you guys to listen in. I wanted to remind you guys that if you're wanting to get into this adoption game, there's a few different kind of levels that you can work with. So if you are brand new to this and you want to adopt through foster care, you should totally check out The Call. That's who we trained through. They can provide resources. And Anne Mythaller, who is the director of The Call in Northwest Arkansas, was actually in episode one. So if you haven't heard that one, stop right now and go back and listen to it. It's a really good one. And once you've been trained and you're wanting to adopt, you should totally check out Project Zero. Me and Michelle are going to talk about that a little bit. And they have their heart gallery, which shows the actual real life photos of kids that are available for adoption in our state of Arkansas. And if you're not listening in Arkansas, that's totally fine. I would encourage you to look up resources in your state for this type of thing. If you have already adopted and you are in the lonely trenches like all of us have been in, you need to reach out to Grace Haven Ministries. Michelle and I are both on the board for this nonprofit, and it's so, so important. They provide all kinds of resources and, most importantly, just encouragement for adoptive families who feel like they might be at rock bottom or have no hope, and that was where we were at one point. And so I've been there. I understand you can contact me or reach out to them through their Facebook or website. I always post their link in the show notes. So I just wanted to remind everyone about that. But thank you again for listening, and let's jump right into our chat with Michelle Monty. All right. Hi, Michelle. How's it going? It's going good. So this is my second interview where the person is in the room with me and it's kind of exciting, except I'm having to like turn and face her, which is um, it's a whole new adventure for sure. So, okay, but I'm so excited you're here and I want you to share with the listeners just a little bit about yourself, kids names, ages, stuff like that, what you do. Sure. Um, So I work full time. Um in the communication space. My husband is Scott. We have been married for eight years. I have a daughter, Maya, who is six and in first grade. 
My son Asher is almost four, and then Cade is 14 months old. Whew, that's like, I mean, that sounds like a normal family, but it's super not. So, and we'll learn about that in a little bit because that's like great aging and all this stuff. It's all spaced out so nicely. You have another guest that lives in your home right now. Yes, I was going to say, I should add, we usually always have a extra. So uh, my cousin Emily is living with us currently, but she's 23 and fairly self-sufficient. Yeah. So you don't have to like feed her and take her to the bathroom and stuff. Well, I still feed her. I provide the food. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So that's a good, that's a good um, adult to child ratio going on in your house right now. Yes. We are back to man on man defense. So that is spectacular (laughs) okay so what do you what do you do you said you work full-time and um, obviously your husband works full-time too so what do you what are you guys doing here in northwest arkansas Mm, what are we doing here in northwest arkansas well so um we ended up down here both of um so our families don't live in the area i am originally from ohio area scott is kind of from michigan but his family now lives in north carolina Um, and so he works for a company that was going through some transition and he got laid off. Um, and so we went through a pretty intensive period, um, a little over five years ago of job searching just anywhere across the country. Um, and it was Minnesota or Arkansas. And so we chose warmer versus colder, um, (laughs) and made, yeah, made a very quick transition in the course of about, Three weeks. Uh, first time I ever saw Arkansas was in the front of a moving truck, driving it, and that's kind of the short story of how how we ended up here. But um, even throughout that very quick turnaround, we can definitely see how um, God just moved us very quickly to where He wanted us to be. That's awesome. Well, I'm um, certainly glad that you live in Northwest Arkansas. Thanks. Um, Okay, so we've hint, we've hinted about it a little bit. You know, we know you have three kids, and the kicker is that none of them came out of your body. That is <laughs> true, which is kind of crazy. And and it's not. I think that it's interesting because a lot of the people I talk to that have only adopted children um, have have tried to have children on their own, and mm-hmm. it hasn't worked out. And that is not your story. So I want to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, it's true. Um, so ever since. A pretty young age, for whatever reason, I've always felt God calling me to adoption. Um, When, like, even as young as fifth grade, like, my youngest brother, who was in kindergarten at the time, had um, a a little girl in his class who had been um, adopted from um, overseas, and I just remember thinking, like, this is what I want to do. This is like, this is God's calling for my life. Um, getting there was a much, <laughs> a much different journey. Um, but that's, that's kind of what started it all was, was meeting that little girl and she was adorably sweet. And although like I didn't babysit her on a regular basis, she asked me to be her Valentine every year because oh. a Valentine is just somebody who's very special to you. Um, so she definitely like got a hold of my heartstrings. Um, but yeah, obviously. And then like God working and bringing us to Northwest Arkansas very quickly. Um, we wouldn't have any of our kids had we not moved down here. So 
the journey that God takes us on is always just really fascinating to look back and see how he's he's worked. Yeah. So so what led you to um to go toward adoption before you tried to have biological children? And I I know that it was pretty sudden, right? Like it was kind of a split de- not split decision, but it wasn't like years of planning for this yeah. for your first yeah. adopted child. <laughs> <clears throat> uh so Scott and I, when we were dating, always kind of talked about this idea of like two and two. Um, weirdly enough, probably for most people, I've just never had that urge to like carry and birth a child like most moms do. And <laughs> or <not> super pretty. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I have definitely been. I've definitely been in the room, labor and delivery for um, two of my children. So. Uh, it is definitely like an up close and very personal thing. Um, but yeah, just never really had that desire. When, after we'd been down here in Arkansas for a couple years, I started looking into different adoption routes and options, international, domestic, private, um, foster care. Uh, and we showed up to life group, um, event one night and this couple showed up with this little baby that was clearly like not the same ethnicity as them and um being the naive people we were we thought we wanted to start our our family with a newborn and so I was like I need to talk to those people I need to talk to those people um and like long story short that little baby actually is my boy's first cousin Um, so again, God working in just incredible ways, but there were four other families adopting through a local attorney, um, that year in our church. And so we decided to go that route. We had met with a couple different agencies and talked to different people. And that was just the, the route we felt most comfortable with and that God just seemed to be opening doors very quickly, um, when I talked, when I talked to that attorney, on the flip side, um, she we filled out the paperwork, and I was like, "What else can we do? Like, because there's just now this right, unknown now weight right <laughs> ahead of you." Um, and she was like, "You need to be praying for all of those moms who are in the tough place of having to make this decision to give up their child, and you need to be figuring out how you can." kind of like minister to them in the meantime. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, like that just, it just kind of hit me because I'd always thought about my ministry to my potential adopted children, Mm -hmm. but I hadn't ever thought about how it was ministering to those moms as well. So um, God kind of got me connected with this 14-year-old girl who was pregnant and so I was able to throw like a baby shower for her and just help wow. her find um, different things that she needed to prepare to be a mom. Um, I ended up picking up this homeless lady who was pregnant um, and it was like pouring down rain like it is today and um, gave her a ride down to Johnson and just that conversation. But... um after that, I ended up calling our attorney and I was like, you will not believe what's happened. Like you told me to pray. And this is like, this is God answering prayer. Um, 
but after like both those incidences, you just end up like sobbing because it's such a tough thing. It's so tough. Um, and then when I called our attorney to tell her God had given me these opportunities that she told me to pray for, um, she was like, well, so throughout our conversation, I've been trying to kind of gauge if this has been coincidence or if this is like an ordained conversation because I actually have a little baby that I've been trying to match today and the family that he was supposed to be matched with can't do it financially right now. And so you need to go back and talk to your husband tonight and ask him if you want a little boy that's due in four months. <laughs> and so, I mean, from the time we filled out paperwork to the time I called her, that was a three-month span. And then uh, Asher was born in another four. So it was wow, super fast. Yeah, and I I didn't know all of that part of the story, but that's really, really cool. And, I mean, you're right. It is such a tough – it's a tough situation to really dislike the things that your kids' biological parents do but then still minister to their heart and pray for them. And, I mean, we were in a situation with ours where I had to realize that, you know, is do I want her – to stay addicted to drugs for my benefit. Is mm-hmm. that what I'm asking for? Is that what I'm hoping for? What yeah. are my motivations here? And it was a really, um, I don't know, it was a soul searching time. And I had to learn that, you know, it, how to minister, how to, how to pray for someone who you're having to, you know, pay the price for their actions. Yeah. This whole journey is such a huge part of, I feel like mine personally, but also my husband's just like sanctification journey. Um, whereas a lot of people like for your testimony, you want to focus on the conversion story portion of it. I think that the biggest impact can be within our sanctification journey because we're all humans. We all make mistakes, but we're striving to be more like Christ. And so, um, I think one of the fastest ways you can do that is get as close to like human depravity as you can. So whether that is like constantly volunteering at a homeless shelter or at a children's shelter or foster care or adopting or um, all of those things just bring you so much closer, like out of your your nice middle class bubble. And, you know, I guess what I'm saying is it's, if things are going too smoothly, like pop your bubble yeah. and find a way to meet meet people where they are and minister to them. Yeah, get out of that comfort zone. So, um, I mean, this is fast forwarding a little bit and it's kind of a side note, but your, your youngest son's birthday recently, I know that you invited like his whole birth family, but a lot of them, uh, there were some logistical nightmares about getting them there, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you just have to be flexible, like super flexible, <laughs> but, um, yeah, after, so, um, Asher had, Asher had a lot of medical issues that we kind of sorted through, um, during the first year, year and a half of his life. And I just kind of started to realize, like, if his mom ever had another baby that she felt the need to give up for adoption, like, I wanted to be the first option. Like, I wanted our family to be, um, poised to take in Asher's brother or sister. So, um, I reached out over Facebook and, um, I'm Facebook friends with her and a lot of her family and, um, just like kind of started reaching out on an occasional basis, taking them groceries, going and visiting. Um, 
making sure that like I told her that I was praying for her and if Asher, you know, if we had like a super great moment or whatever, just like telling her about that and thanking her for the choice she made. Yeah. Because she could have made so many other choices that wouldn't have even potentially resulted in Asher being here on earth, which is uh, a hard thought to, to process. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So, so through, through those connections, um, we just kept in contact and, uh, she did reach out when she, um, got pregnant again, uh, and just didn't feel the, uh, capacity to take care of another child. So, um, she already had seven-ish kids who were kind of at that point living with other family members. Um, and so we said yes to Cade, but that had that came shortly after Maya had just moved in with us. So we actually went yeah. from <laughs> Asher being two, Maya moved in with us because we were an open... So we became an open foster home... Um, doing adopt only, but we did respite care. So we did short term care for about a year. Um, Asher turned two. Maya moved in with us and as, as an adoptive placement. Uh, and then three weeks later we got the call about Cade. So mentally we went from one kid to three kids in the span of like a month. Yeah. And not only one kid to three kids, but a, an only child to a middle child. Like you, Mm -hmm. you mess that birth order right up. Just like a lot of uh, our adoptive <laughs> friends have. Yeah. Um, and so Maya is just a little bit older than Asher, right? Yes. And yeah, then Kate. two years. So yeah, I remember when you first told me about that part of the story, I know that you guys, especially Scott, were just like, what do we do? Because you yeah. had agreed to take Maya and then you found out about Kate and it all happened at once. Yeah. Well, and it totally messed up our like two to two ratio that we had talked about like before we ever got married, <laughs> like to adopted to bio um yeah it was really tough because um so when we first got asher i mentioned he had just multiple health issues and would cry and scream constantly and we were at the doctor every week to two weeks i told them i like deserved a frequent flyer card there <laughs> just a standing appointment yes yeah um I mean, everyone knew my name. Like, when I called, they knew my voice. It was really bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, No, it's like that at our doctor's office, too, because if it's not one kid, it's, you know, the other two. And so I'm like, I need, like, a punch card or something. Exactly. Um, So Maya is from – she's from the Little Rock area um, and grew up – so I should mention, too, that I guess all of my children um, are not the same ethnicity as me. So it is very obvious that all of them are adopted. Um, but Maya is African American and she is from the Little Rock area. And so she just had a really tough transition. Um, I think even adoption through foster care, you think, oh, they'll be so grateful to be in a permanent home. Well, (laughs) she, she had always been in the same foster home and it was definitely not like a nurturing situation. Um, but always just around African-American people. Like, I'm not really sure she had ever seen a white person before or, like, realized that. Um, and her whole existence was just, like, going to daycare and then staying in her room. Um, so when we transitioned her up here, and it was a very quick transition, um, 
we, I mean, just like she was sobbing, crying every single day and every single night. And the dogs were scary to her and going grocery shopping with me was scaring with scary to her because she didn't know if she was coming back home or if I was going to take her to DHS or so that was just a super, super tough time for us. Like those first couple months. Um, and so getting the call three weeks later, um, you know, I mean, we talked about like, do, do we continue with this adoption? Because when you adopt through foster care, they give you a six month kind of like grace period to see, um, if things will work out. And I know some of your previous guests have talked about like the whole, you might not attach to every kid and it Mm -hmm. is completely true. Um, and they might not be a good fit for your family. And, um, those are some of the toughest choices like you'll ever have to make. But for us, um, we had already made that commitment to her. And, um, although we were definitely like fighting the storm at that point, um, I mean, things could have gone wrong with Cade's adoption, like that could have potentially not gone through. So we would have been disrupting a placement for her and putting her through more trauma right? for something that might not happen. So um, that's kind of where we decided, like, yes, we're going to move forward with both. Um, and if both happen (laughs) like god's got this somehow um because it was gonna take a lot (laughs) yeah well and now we know both did happen yes and so you guys are crazy pants just like we are yeah oh my goodness okay hair on fire crazy pants yeah (laughs) oh my gosh um okay so and you found Maya through Project Zero, and yes. I know you were involved with them pretty mm-hmm. heavily. I don't know if you... I think you still are, right? Um, a little bit. Um, more transition to um, working with Grace Haven, which is a local ministry that works with yes. adoptive families only, which you and Brian are also a part of. But that's just yes. kind of... It's sort of like the time in life that you find yourself, I think. Um, so we were searching for... Um, another child potentially. And I love like making those connections with people. And so meeting the potential adoptive families and being like, Oh my goodness, have you looked at this child's profile? I've actually met them and I can tell you, you know, these things about them. Yeah. So, uh, I love doing that. Um, but yeah, uh, Christy Irwin, the executive director of Project Zero, posted a picture of her holding this little girl um, at a photo shoot because what they do is once um, a child's rights have been terminated and they've gone through the matching list and haven't found a match, they take their photo and then they post it online um, so that people know and can put kind of names and faces to children who are waiting for homes. Yes. Um, and so it, it really is a great way to make that connection and realize that the statistic of, you know, just under 600 kids waiting for a forever home in Arkansas, like there are names and faces to that number. Yeah. 
Well, and it gives um, it gives a lot of people volunteer opportunities as well. I mean, they have photographers that volunteer mm-hmm. their services to take pictures of these kids. They have people that transport them because often the foster parents won't, right? And right. Um, they have people like you who will stand at a craft fair booth all day long. And, yeah, that's actually how we met. Yeah, so, so getting into that a little bit, me and you had a lot of accidental meetings before we actually became friends. It's true. So we met at the craft fair booth and I think it was just because we were, we were, we hadn't even trained yet, but we were in the process of adoption Mm -hmm. and I on a whim just ran up and was like, you work with Project Zero, we're going to adopt. And you were like, oh, cool. Like it was really. Yeah. yeah. And you were like, my husband's a photographer. So (laughs) yeah. Michelle was like, okay. Let's let's let some other people come up here, probably. No, but, it, no, it was good. But then after we got Clark, you Facebook messaged me and gave us some tickets for the Razorbacks, and I, we didn't even meet then. I think I got the tickets from Scott. Ah, oh. um, yeah, yeah. So a lot, like I said, some accidental meetings, and then we went to a training together, um, mm-hmm. just to get some hours. Mm-hmm. And I remember you were holding baby Cade. It was so sweet. But yeah, so then after that, that's when we really um, started hanging out. And that's kind of um, a big part of what I wanted to talk to you about is is those friendships and those connections. And we've been talking about that a lot today. You've mentioned connections. And I, I think that that's something that you are really, really good at. Case in point, you know, you, I think, saw that we were drowning a little bit and you reached out to me and invited us over to dinner at your house and um, I wanted to ask you, so what do you think that that just comes naturally to, your, to you? Or do you think that you saw the need for connection among adoption families and just did something about it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think it's a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, so my dad pastored a really small church when I was younger. And I always remember having different people over to our house. Um, and that's just it's such a great way to connect with people. And I think, I think the church has lost a little bit. I guess it probably depends on what church you're going to. And I probably shouldn't make generalizations, but, no, but I, I think the church has lost a little bit of that, like genuine connection. Mm-hmm. We have life groups and we have things that we do, you know, activities and different things like that. But like bringing people into your home is just a different level of bonding. Like, yeah. I think as you look at Christ's ministry, a lot of the miracles he did, a lot of the places that you'll find him is in someone else's home. Um, so, yeah, um, we, like you were mentioning with our friendship, we kind of got reconnected through Grace Haven again. And like what I love about them is is their focus on ministering and they focus on counseling services and interventions and different things like that as well. But I just realized like God has given us a home. And even though we might feel like we're drowning today, like there's definitely someone else that feels like they're drowning as well. (laughs) So like we might as well like collaborate and put our energy together. Um, And just know that, like, this is a judgment-free zone, and it's okay, like, if your kid breaks something, or it's okay if your kid has a tantrum, because my kid will definitely have a tantrum. And, (laughs) um, you know, just being kind of that that open and real, Mm -hmm. people, I think people just connect better with that, um, because they can see, like, you're just 
normal-ish person too. I wouldn't say we're normal, but um, <laughs> I think we've already established that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, but but just being being that open because I think that as adoptive moms, sometimes we do a really good job at connecting. Mm-hmm. But I know for Scott, it's been a pretty big struggle. Like yeah. he doesn't have a lot of friends that are adoptive dads or that share similar experiences to him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, both of us being raised in traditional families, we had both parents present, you know, traditional disciplining methods and all <laughs> of that kind of stuff. Oh. Um, you know, our expectations, I think, as parents initially was like, you are going to act the way that I feel like a child should act and you should be obedient and you should listen and you should respect me and you should be grateful that I put a roof over your head. And all of those things just do not come. They, I mean, right. they might come in small bits and pieces, but for sure they don't come all at once and not at the level that you would expect. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, I mean, even, even families like ours that do have you know, one or two bio kids or whatever. I mean, their, their lives are turned upside down Mm -hmm. and not even in a bad way, but it's not, I mean, traditional parenting just doesn't work for any of your kids. And I think Kelly Kraut even talked about that. Like they have to shift how they parented all of their kids, not just the adopted ones. And, um, but it's a good thing. It's, it's, it's been good for us. I know it's been good for you guys, but I know that it's a learning curve and I know that um, <laughs> one of you struggles with that a little more than the other one, I think. And same for us, probably. And so I think that it's a it's a marriage builder too, learning mm. how to parent together and be yeah. on the same page. Um, yeah, if you thought, I think, if you thought traditional parenting was tough, trying to parent a child from trauma whose brain has literally like been developed differently than mm-hmm. yours um it is we're still in the throes of it i listened to kelly's um interview and i was like teach me i need to learn <laughs> um because you can read the books and you can go to the seminars it's just so tough to manage your own behavior change mm-hmm. so that you can continually help your children and so many of those books are um are super clinical and those are good things. I mean, we need the science behind things, but a lot of times it takes a mentor or something like that to, to, to look at your family and its individual uniqueness and move forward based on those things. And I think that that's where good friendships come in because we can feed off of each other in a good way. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think, I mean, you talked about earlier having no judgment and it's totally true because I don't feel like, I, I feel like when we go to other friends' houses, that, you know, don't, don't know every situation or don't want to know every situation. You know, I feel like I have to explain everything and be like, he's acting this way because of all of these things. Like I need a, uh, like a sign to hold or something. And I, we don't feel that way with you or any of our other adoption friends. And I, I'm sure, do you feel the same way when you are hanging out with, uh, like-minded people, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think that's, how even in traditional friendships, you forge friendships through common experiences. Um, so, and definitely not to say like isolate yourselves and only have adoptive friends because right. you can definitely have a variety of friends. But um, I mean, I do know that they, 
you know, they've come and gone for us, just depending on people's point in life. Even with our first adoption of Asher, I had a um, a good friend who was like, you know, promise me that we won't lose touch. And at the that point, she had no kids. And promise me we'll still hang out and do things together. And you can be as well-intentioned as you want, but especially for a friend who does not even have children to understand the exhaustion yeah. <laughs> that comes with kids and the balancing and, you know, I just want to sleep on the weekends or sleep every minute that he's sleeping because he doesn't do that very much. Um, <laughs> Aw, sweet Asher. Yeah. <laughs> he still doesn't sleep much. But I think just some of those things, again, it's just those it's so sh- shared experiences and um, shared perspective that I think kind of drives you together. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit because I think that a lot of people listening um, – our support systems or maybe not adoptive parents. And I know that a lot of them want to learn. They want to know what, what they may be doing that's unintentionally hurting people and what they could do better to support their adoptive friends. So I, I think it'd be good if you and I had a dialogue just about the things that we feel most supported by or the things that we feel most understood. And I know for me, I mean, I'll start. I think for me, one of the biggest things is I, I feel so blessed when friends who don't know from personal experience will just believe me about the behaviors or why they're behaving this way. Cause I know that you have one, like I have one <laughs> that is really well behaved yeah. in front of other mm. people. And then, uh, everything changes when oh. the doors are closed. And sometimes it's hard to get friends to believe you or not look at you as the bad guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you've touched a little bit on this, um, with Kelly as well. Um, you have your people pleaser children and that's like, that's how they've learned to survive. Um, because things are so volatile at home, if they can be sweet and loving and affectionate to strangers or those who are, um, even closer, you know, teachers and administrators and daycare workers and Sunday school, teachers, um, everyone's like, oh, I just, I love sweet Maya. And I'm like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, you're like sweet. Hmm. But what, for me, what I realized is that she expends so much energy trying to please others and be liked and accepted That when she comes home, she just doesn't have any more energy to give. And it's just meltdown city for us. Yeah. Um, Not all the time. Not all the time. I know it's getting better Usually on, yeah, school days or busy days or anything that disrupts the routine. Um, Yeah. It is. Right. It's tough sometimes. Well, and you and I have talked about this before. It's, you know, we would think that the happy days would be the good days. But a lot of the time, um, our kids who have known unhappy Mm -hmm. days will throw a wrench in things on purpose just because Mm -hmm. it scares them to be that happy or that secure or stable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The connected child uh, brain development is fascinating, but something that's still super, I think, foreign to me. Um, 
But yeah, she just, um, she struggles with emotional balancing. If Mm -hmm. it's the super high high, she doesn't know how to come back and like just plateau and be even. Instead, we continue that nosedive. Um, So trying to remain emotionally even and balanced ourselves is usually the first step and um, something that, yeah. Easier said than done. (laughs) Yeah, way easier said than done. Um, But that's usually the first step. Usually the second step, and we talked about this too, is sleep. Mm -hmm. Sleep, sleep, sleep. The girl could sleep 15 hours a day. We had a sleep study done. Nothing's wrong. She just... Her brain is on hyper alert basically all day long, and she needs that just rest. Yeah. Um, well, and that's what something um, someone we both know, Rebecca Price, who is the clinical director yes. of Grace Haven, she told us for the first time. So the amygdala, which is the um, at the base of your brain, and it's the trauma response or fear response system in a lot of our traumatized children it's Mm -hmm. just going nonstop. it's firing Mm -hmm. and letting them know that they're always in danger yeah and it's exhausting for them even though we don't see that yeah the positive part of all of that is that she feels safe enough in our home to relax and sleep that much Mm -hmm. um you ask how I got away today, and I said, oh, they all nap. And you were like, Maya, too? And I was like, oh, yeah. That girl <laughs> could take, like, three-hour naps. Um, but, and it's okay. And if she takes naps, like, for forever, it's okay. Um, I think that it's just part of keeping that balance. Yeah, absolutely. So what is, what about you? What's a way that, um, what's a way that friendship has affected your journey here with adoption? Um, friendships with adoptive families and friendships with non-adoptive families? Ha! I think expressions of concern for us. Um, That's something I still struggle with. Our current life group leader was like, well, just let us know. Like, let us know what your needs are because no one, currently no one in our life group right now has adopted or is fostering. Um, And she was like, just let us, like, tell us what's going on. And I was like, I don't think you'll understand. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like sometimes it's more work to break it down into a way that, yeah. And then when I like catch myself talking about it to a person who hasn't walked through it, I literally just feel like I'm a crazy person. Um, And Scott was like, you sound so depressing. You need to not sound depressing. (laughs) I was like, but this is our life. Uh, So I think it's just, I think it's learning how to bring those people along on the journey who haven't experienced it themselves, mm-hmm. um, which oddly enough usually leads to us having those people over as well. So we're just constantly <laughs> opening our home, which is great. But um, but I think you touched on something interesting there is that, um, and, and it's something I feel as well, that a lot of the time with those friends – they're either scared to reach out or feel like we're too busy. And, and often we continue to do a lot of the work Yeah, in that we're keeping that connection alive. And, and sometimes that's really hard, you Mm -hmm. know, like I have friends that I don't want to lose, but I also am drowning here. So please invite me, please reach out to me, check on me. Yeah. I think, I mean, unfortunately, although friendships are crucially important, um, throughout this journey, and usually 
when I find I need it the most is when um, God provides those, like in in, in our case or um, others. We found another couple at our church who have adopted three. But um, I think that you really need to prioritize things. So one of our, I think our biggest learnings is like we needed to prioritize our marriage. Like mm-hmm. throughout all of this, like God gave us the sanctity of marriage first and you're supposed to you know love your spouse well relationship with god first and then yeah and then your your marriage and your relationship with your spouse um and then effort it's it's easier when you're both on the same page and you understand that you're you love each other and like that's the priority and then moving forward together as a united front to help your children, and then, like, look outside. And usually what I found is even my kids, like, they have their own unique ministry, too. Um, And they end up ministering to others when we open our home Mm -hmm. and ministering to other kids. And they actually are way more well-balanced, like, when we're when we're all as a family kind of focusing on serving. Mm. And it's kind of a weird way to think about being focused on serving, like, just having people to your house and feeding them food and whatever. But like you said, w- like, we're also pro- providing a safe, like, judgment-free zone where people can come and exper- experience a super wacky, crazy family that's just as nuts is theirs um and it's okay it's just okay (laughs) yeah and you guys do have a good home for it their their backyard is pretty baller i have to say (laughs) our kids get really excited about playing in your backyard (laughs) that's great yeah um okay and i was gonna say another one for me and i wanted to hear your feedback is is and we talked about it a little bit about our friends reaching out to us and not waiting for us to reach out to them but that goes for um for offering help or services too. And you said your life, you know, your life group leader was like, talk to us. And I know you are probably the same way as I am where you're like, just show up and do something. Like, don't wait for me to ask because I might never ask. Yeah. It's so hard because people aren't mind readers, but at the same time, it's so hard for us to, as adoptive parents and people, people in general who feel like I think they're just drowning in their own circumstances Mm -hmm. to articulate what they need so i would just always say like let food be the default you know give them a gift card for some place that does carry out because well let's be clear (laughs) we never dine in that would be horrendous yeah um no we're the same way we'll do lunch but dinner time (laughs) forget about it absolutely not yeah so carry out food, um, homemade meals, but even even that, like, our house is full of allergies. So, um, yeah, I think I think food. Just go with food <laughs> because um, something that you know saves someone time, effort, th- and that's what we feel like we're expending so much of mm-hmm. is effort and time to you know learn our kids and to learn how to parent them and how to help them grow yeah and heal yeah that's a big one so okay branching away from the um 
from the connections and friendship thing. I'm so, and this actually does have a little bit to do with friendships because it, our kids' behaviors affect everyone around us. And I mean, mainly us. So <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about behaviors a little bit. Cause I mean, we both have a lot of differences and I know that, you know, you have three kids, two of whom share a mom, but they have, you know, all three different experiences. And so that's, <clears throat> a, that's three different behaviors. And we, have a similar situation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the age because you do not have a teen, although you have um, yeah. done respite for a teen. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, differences, differences in just like behavior and knowing what each child needs, um, so and how it, that looks to other people. Because oh. you know, we see you parent your children differently and you see us parent our children differently too. And I think that that's part of that judgment free judgment free situation. And we need mm-hmm. other, we need more people to get on board with that and, and realize that your parenting can look three different ways because it just has to. Yeah, no, it definitely does for sure. I'm sure people think that we're the most like horrible, strict parents when it comes to Maya. But the fact is, is that she needs consistency and she needs pretty like rigid structure Mm -hmm. in order to stay balanced um asher on the other hand is like our free spirit kid and makes everyone laugh and smiles all of the time and for him he needs like just extra um like loving time. Like if he's upset or unbalanced, like all he needs me to do is hold him and rock him and it needs to be quiet. And so, um, again, very different Cade. We're still figuring Cade out cause he's only 14 <laughs> months old, but, um, weirdly enough, some of those biggest blessings can come when you feel the most overwhelmed. So Cade is our little, family balancer um he is the person who if anyone is crying or anyone's upset which that's mostly maya sometimes me (laughs) and um he's the one that goes up and gives them a hug he's the one who like takes care of the dogs and pets them when they're feeling sad he's um so he's just like he's our little family like pepper up or pep talk or I don't know. He doesn't even talk yet, but he babbles a lot. Um, <laughs> he's just like, he's our mood booster for sure. And I think that's God knew exactly what we want, what we needed in our family. We knew he knew that we couldn't take any more emotionally high strung kids. <laughs> and so he gave us one who just wants to give everyone hugs and make sure everyone's okay. And, um, that's amazing. So we'll figure out how to parent him later on down the road because right now he's pretty much just making us all feel good. Yeah. When you uh, cross that bridge, when you come to it a little yeah. bit, when you have more bandwidth anyway. Yeah. However, it is super fun when like parenting in the real world meets trauma and you have your like call shirt on. And I know you've talked to Anne, but like we have had epic meltdowns in public (laughs) when I'm wearing my call shirt and she's just laying like on the ground somewhere and you're like oh yep 
I am definitely being judged by every single person that sees me right now. And <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord, that I'm wearing a call shirt, but then it's also keeping me like extra accountable because everyone is watching how you handle that situation. Um, that is way fun. Ugh, yes. No, I feel like that too. And, and, you know, you get the comments whenever your kids are crying and people are like, oh, you've got your hands full. And you're just like, uh huh. And you try to remain uh, a good witness and you just try not to freak out because they're just, they gang up on you. And I think even non adoptive families yeah. know that for sure. Well, and I mean, we even ran into a situation last week in church where she was having a meltdown and sometimes too many people wanting to help is more overwhelming for her than and me (laughs) than it is actually helpful so really like unless you've built a relationship with that child like realize that parent will probably struggle through it and sometimes it's it's not as helpful as you think to rush over and try to offer help and support because Mm -hmm. um it it's more overwhelming for her yeah. than it is helpful at that moment. So maybe um, a good piece of advice for support systems would be, or for friends, um, would be to, to help with maybe uh, just appearance management. So talk to other people, maybe not jump into the situation directly with your child, but talk to the people who are giving you annoyed looks or yeah. something like that and just say, like, give them a break, you know, give them some space or something like that. Yeah, I think that if you're a pretty close support system of an adoptive family or a family who has a child from trauma, um, just ask. Like, we're all pretty open books just because – because we have, we to, have be. to be, <laughs> um, and we all pretty much wear our heart on our sleeves, and you might get some tears along with the answer, but um, we will tell you. We'll tell you as far as as our knowledge, <laughs> you know, <laughs> goes. We will tell you what we found that helps our children or doesn't. Um, which her Awana teacher came to me at the end of last week and was like, you got to tell me, you know, help me learn some techniques that will help her through those times. And um, sometimes I might not know what to say because I just need to survive that night too. But (laughs) remind me via text or something or the next time you see me. um, And, like, just have a chat with them and ask them how how they need you to help or react. And sometimes it's just to not like, it's Mm -hmm. just we're figuring things out. Um, I remember the first, uh, set of holidays that we had Maya home. We, um, probably should have cocooned a little bit more. And by that, I mean, usually when you bring a new child into your home and they're assimilating to your family, you take some time and, just grow together as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but she came home early November. So in December, we did a two-week holiday tour in Ohio and North Carolina. Um, and very well-intentioned, but a family member approached Scott and uh, expressed concern for our marriage because of you know how many kids we were taking on and we didn't that family member didn't feel like it was Scott's decision or that he was on board for it. And really, really, we were just 
really struggling through a super tough time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to hear how Scott handled that because just knowing him, I bet it was kind of funny. I think that it made him want to fight harder to figure out how we grow together as a family. Mm. Um, I think he was really annoyed at first. Um, (laughs) But I think also making sure that your spouse is 100% on board for all decisions you make within your family. Um, Part of what we haven't talked about is that, like, I really felt that adoption calling, but that's not really ever something Scott super felt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think for men, it's just easy to be like, well, we're going to have kids the natural way and this is how we make families. And yeah. Um, and so it's, it's definitely harder. It was even harder with him and Asher who have super awesome relationship now to bond over that first year and a half. Number one, I think dads and infants are kind of like, Oh, you know, <laughs> I mean, infants aren't dependent on me for anything and I can't provide anything besides a change of diaper maybe. <laughs> um, but, uh, Making sure, not to say that decisions will ever be 100% comfortable, but making sure that that spouse is on board. Um, but if you're, if, if you feel like you see a family in the throes of it, like don't jump to the worst conclusion. Like mm-hmm. don't question their marriage or ask if we're getting a divorce. Like ask, how can we help? Or yeah. can I pray for you? Or, and pray specifically because I can give you a long list of specifics. Um, but those are the things to ask during those times. Like, mm-hmm. even though you might feel bad for that person or feel like it's not their choice, like, it wasn't our daughter's choice to undergo so much trauma during the first four and a half years of her life. And um, the fact that in scripture, adoption is what Christ chose, it actually helps constantly remind me that even if, like, I grew up in a Christian home, I didn't, like, I didn't really have a wayward time or anything like that, (laughs) but, like, this is how I could be to Christ. Like, he might not have automatically made that connection with me. I might not have been a warm and fuzzy adoption, you know. Um, It might have, like... This is how he, you know, this is how he sees me and not all of those things automatically click into place. And you have to work on your walk with Christ, just like you have to work on your connection with your kids. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I mean, you were talking about marriage and how people can help. And I, I would completely echo that in that instead of concern for your family and in the choices that they're making help support. And for a lot of us, especially when it comes to friendships, we need escape, you know, like yeah. offer to babysit <laughs> so the parents can go out for a date night or mm-hmm. offer to like hang out with you, you know, with you and have a double date or something like that, because we need that normalcy. Yeah. We need to feel like our marriage is still a thing and not just, we're not just parents anymore. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I love that you mentioned that because I think that, um, I don't know. I think that having couple friends is really, really fun and it's a rarity. I think we were talking about this before we started recording, but it's so hard to find couples that where both of you like the other 
both of you and <laughs> yeah without having the whole my kids might scream at you when you walk in the door type of thing <laughs> i mean everybody's kids might scream at you but mine might be like screaming bloody murder at the top of her lungs from her room like anyway yeah no, no. Uh, I, yeah I yeah yeah so having yeah it's always like it's always this weird dynamic of like oh man i gotta find couple friends and then you gotta find couple friends you can connect with and then like I might like you, but Scott might not like Brian, but thankfully they do like each other. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, and then, and then for adoptive families, couple friends that get it, that understand yeah. what you're going through and maybe also are going through it, that would just be the, the best thing that you yeah. on top. So it's tough out there for, uh, yeah, for friend, for friendship and adoption. And I'm really glad that we got to chat about it because I think it's really important for people to hear all the um all the things that come with it and I feel like adoption there's so many different layers and it's not it changes your whole life it's not just like oh we're normal people who happen to have kids that didn't come out of our bodies no it it changes everything in in a good way but also in a really really hard way so okay so I have some some questions and I, you know I feel like we've answered some of these within yeah, I was gonna it say, so. I think it's still some of my answers so <laughs> but you know it, it's good so maybe maybe let's nutshell it into sure. um so okay so what do you wish and I don't think we've actually talked about this one so what do you wish someone had just grabbed you by the shoulders and looked at you and told you at the beginning of this journey like a warning or an encouragement or something like that yeah and I think we have we've touched on this a little bit but just that and some of these are the same as Kelly's and Anne's, but you won't make that automatic connection with every child. Mm-hmm. And that saying no will, like, it'll break you. It's so tough. But honestly, like, um, somebody once told me that you can't change the world for every child, but for the one child you say yes to, you do change their whole world. Yeah. Um, which is super impactful, um, because I was definitely that person that set out to be like, I'm going to have an orphanage in Africa and I'm going to (laughs) take in all of the kids and, uh, just realizing that God has given you a certain capacity and you'll generally be stretched a little bit beyond that capacity always. But, um, at that specific time is when he'll bring things your way that you can take on. Yeah. Um, And that even when you do say yes, that is not like a magic word that will make the child you're saying yes to automatically love you or trust you or respect you. Like all of those things come in a very different way than a typical family would grow them. Yeah. And in a, in a completely different order often too. Yeah. And me and Kelly talked about that in our, I feel like we're just talking about her a lot, but that's good because she's a great person. But we talked about that in our interview, just about how those lovey dovey feelings may not come initially. And honestly, they may never come. And sometimes that doesn't mean that you say no, that just means that God has a different plan for, um, yeah. for how you love that child and love can look and feel differently for each child, as I know that, you know, and we do too. Um, okay. So what is something you wish you had changed or done differently? Some, uh, some big parenting fail or <laughs> whatever. Um, I think 
I talked about this a little bit, but just making sure like you and your spouse are always on the same page. Um, I'm an extrovert. Scott's an introvert. Um, I am much more okay with change than he is. Um, but again, God created um, marriage before kids ever came into the picture. Yeah. Um, and so making sure that you and your spouse, your husband, are always on the same page and being okay with moving forward because um, there, I mean, there have been times where I'm like, I feel like you're blaming me because we have like a tough child or a tough situation or, um, and I think like we finally come full circle where he's like, I'm not blaming you. I was as fully on board and or a, you know, passive (laughs) (laughs) participant. Um, So equally (laughs) as much, you know, uh, responsible for the amount or number of children we have. Um, So I think, I think always, always just making sure you're on the same page. Yeah. And that's a good one. I think that, um, I don't think anyone has said that yet. So that's a really good answer. So, and we, I think this is the, maybe the one we've talked the most heavily about thus far, Mm -hmm. but so do you have one instance maybe that just really stuck out to you as like, you felt so supported in this moment or by this act of kindness by someone? Someone bringing you meals or doing your laundry or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, uh, she's going to be embarrassed that I say this, but the fact that Emily decided to come down and move in with us, um, I think is just like the best co-support system because she needed a fresh start and we desperately needed somebody to help balance out, um, and just be an extra set of hands, um, and so just the fact that she moved all the way from Ohio down to Arkansas, um, she's been with us for almost like five months now, I think. Um, wow. It was just at a time where we desperately needed some type of ongoing support. Um, and so I think, I think that's been probably the biggest. Um, on a small scale, it's stuff like, you know, people like our life group or my work family that has provided, um, baby showers when you take in kids. Like if, if you're a foster parent, like we took in some respite kids occasionally or emergency placements and I could always go into work the next day or tell a few close friends and be like, this child doesn't have anything. I don't have pajamas for them. I don't have underwear. I don't have whatever it may be. Um, or our team that we had for, you know, just three months who signed himself out of care. Um, we went to see him again and being like, he doesn't have a microwave. He doesn't have the, you know, uh, just, um, those kind of tangible ways to support, I think have helped so much along the way. Yeah, that's great. And, um, okay. So, you know, I feel like we've already talked about this question that how have you felt hurt or not supported? So would you say just people giving uh, maybe unsolicited advice or? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 
if and I think this goes for life in general like if you're not in the throes of it um just don't say anything give him a hug like yeah (laughs) um well I would say that but I mean well Scott will take your hugs too but uh some people (laughs) won't take your hugs um yeah just uh and I think the, the the people that can empathize, like, just, like, be genuine. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's usually what people need when they're in the throes of a hard time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so just if you could sum it all up into just one piece of advice or encouragement for adoptive mamas, and that can be that can be whatever that can be someone that's about to walk into this or that can be someone like you and I who are just in the throes of it. Um, and, and maybe even specifically in regards to friendship or connections. Uh, yeah. Um, overall just don't isolate. Like you can let this become as lonely of a journey as humanly possible. And it can feel like no one else understands. No one else has gone through this. I don't know how yeah you know it's like you just don't even know where to begin but like begin by reaching out Mm -hmm. um so i think even if it's like a cold call like grace haven annie martin is the best person at receiving cold calls i know i just gave her a shout out but (laughs) when i interviewed her she gave her personal phone number out so you can call her if you were listening (laughs) yeah she is the best person um I think she's like seen and heard it all. Annie Martin has taken my cold calls. Yes. So <laughs> um, my calls of desperation. Um, I think at least a quarter per day is spent with like SOS calls or texts. Yeah. Like, I just can't do this yeah. anymore. <laughs> well, and same for me. Um, if, yeah, if anybody wants to reach out and if they have questions or are just starting their journey or, um, Oh, man, there's a lot I think that I've experienced or my kids have experienced that I haven't shared during this hour. But yeah, call me, text me, email me. Phone number is 937-417-8142. I love it. Michelleamonti at gmail.com. Um, it, but it can be, it can just be, it can be so tough. Yeah. But which is why I love, I love Grace Haven. I love Annie and Waylon. I love why they exist um we're here to help and i feel like that is our responsibility so not only are we called to minister to orphans and widows but we're called to minister to those who are ministering to them so that's a good one i feel like if if i were to take an instagram photo of this that would be the caption just minister (laughs) to those who are ministering to the orphans and widows and you know i would tack on to that just just invite people over or ask people to whatever, you know, I feel like Pinterest while is amazing. It's done us a complete disservice because we feel like because our houses don't look like that. Um, we can't, we can't reach out and that's not true, especially for those of us who tend to isolate or tend to think that, I mean, I know when people that haven't adopted invite us over, I just want to be like, um, are you sure? (laughs) And so it's, it's so important and just do it. Just, take that leap, invite someone over or say yes to someone who's inviting you over and uh, yeah, just do it. Yeah. I think you'd probably agree. It ends up probably a lot better than what you'd expect it to be. 
Absolutely. Okay, so you've already given uh, your phone number and email out, and we can find you. You want to spell? Oh. You, you want to spell your name because it's a it's a super special oh, name. Oh yeah. <laughs> so my name is weird. It's um, Michella M I C H A E L A Monty M O N T I E at gmail dot com. And you're on Facebook and Instagram. Yes. So. Okay. Well, cool. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out and doing this interview with me. I'm so excited for people to hear your wisdom and uh, hear us, you know, just battle on. I was actually mildly paranoid when I did this. Like, what if my kids hear this? What if they're like... Oh, girl, I think about that every single time. No, um, (laughs) I love, love all of my children um, are... Yeah, it's... Life is just such a journey, but I think those really hard times, whether or not you realize them like in the moment will bring you closer together. It's, it's, it is growing trust. It's growing like fortitude in you as a family. Um, and whether or not you realize it, you will have the strongest bond that you'll have with anyone else with the, with the kids that you've struggled through things Mm -hmm. with to help them, um, get to a place of healing in their life yeah it's i mean it's it is a little bit like marriage in that way that you know you work so hard for that love and it makes it it makes it stronger and i feel like that it's like that with our adoptive kids too that um when it doesn't come easy or it's not natural then we can Mm -hmm. be almost more proud of that yeah and bringing it full circle i definitely like heartfelt thanks to our birth moms um, my son's birth mom and uh, Maya's birth mom because, like, even though, you know, with Maya's situation, she might not have made the right choices and she didn't willingly give her up, um, like, I'd love for her to know that she's in a home where she is loved. And for Maya or for Asher and Cade's birth mom, like, we are just so thankful and grateful every day that they chose life for them and um, that she chose life for them and that um, we can kind of stay connected with their family and um, what that looks like in the future. We have no idea, but we love them and we're glad to kind of be a part of their extended family. Oh, that's so beautiful. I really, yeah, I think that we don't say that enough. So good job. Well done um, on reminding us of that. So, Anyway, thanks, Michelle, and uh, we will see you soon. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I know this stuff is hard, and I hope you found encouragement here. Remember, you are enough, and you're doing a great job. God wants to be at the center of this journey, and He is big enough to redeem all of our mistakes. Don't forget to check out show notes and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks again for listening.